fantastic. So I'm going to share on prayer this morning. So we've got a period of time in our church from the 10th of November till the end of the month. We're devoting to prayer and to fasting. Because we believe when people, the body of Christ, come together and pray, things happen. Amen? Amen. Breakthrough happens when we come together and when we pray. Obviously, we're consecrating this time to pray particularly for a new church building. As most of us in this room know, we are looking for a space in the centre of Livingston where we can build a church building, a resource centre. Amen? Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, better. Just going to change things. Amen. Oh, that's a bit better. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, amen. So God has clearly spoken to us that we need to get a place in the very centre of Livingston. Obviously, in the natural, that's, that's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? Yes. Amen? Yes. So God has spoken. So when God speaks, we stand on that prophetic word. And that's what we're going to do from Friday onwards. It's consecrate time. To really seek God, be persistent in prayer, and for that breakthrough to come into being. So, prayer. I believe, as the people of God in Life Centre, we have a hunger to pray. We have a hunger to experience the presence of God. To see people saved, don't we? To see families restored. To see marriages restored, to see people healed, being set free, being redeemed, walking in everything that God has called them to walk in. Seeing kids and young people being bold and impacting their generation with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're all about here in Life Centre. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of prayer. He moves on a house, doesn't he, to pray and to intercede for these things. Nothing happens apart from when we pray and when we seek God. Sometimes I've had experiences, you know, when I'm in the car and um, maybe I'm driving Hannah to school and the Holy Spirit puts somebody or a situation on my heart. Yeah, have you, some of you had those kind of experiences? where the Holy Spirit puts a person or a thing on your heart and you're driving along and all of a sudden you have this burden for intercession, for prayer and you start praying out loud for, the, for that situation. So it can happen anywhere at any time. In Mark 11 verse 17, Jesus is entering the temple here and he's seeing all these people selling things in the, in the temple. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 17, it says, And as he taught them, he said, It is not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. 
So he desires for us, Sharon, to be a house of prayer for all nations. And as we look around here, we're from all different sorts of nations, aren't we? And that's his desire, is as the body of Christ, we're a place where people can come and a body of believers where people pray. We're all from all over the place. It doesn't say a house of worship, the emphasis here is a house of prayer. I will make my house a house of prayer for all nations. So he's saying here, the atmosphere of my father's house is to be prayer. The aroma around my father must be that of people <coughs> praying, not a place for making money. God loves it when his people pray, when his people communicate to him. Whether that's through thanksgiving, whether that's through prayer or petition. So in Life Centre, we want this place, we want this house to be built on a foundation of prayer. Amen? Amen. That's why we've decided as a church to come together from Friday the 10th of November and to push through in prayer for this breakthrough. Because God has got a plan and he's got a purpose. He's got the location already in Livingston. He's got it. He's got it all marked out. You telling me that he doesn't know where this church or the centre is going to be? Of course he knows. Of course he knows where it's going to be. But sometimes he is calling his people to come, to pray, to fervently pray and to fast, to sacrifice. You see, with, with Jesus, things cost. Things cost. We have to sacrifice. It's sacrificing the flesh, isn't it? It costs us. This is going to cost us. This next three weeks, it's going to cost us. It's not going to be pleasant. Who's looking forward to fasting? <laughs> Maybe one or two. Maybe one or two in the front row. Why? Because it costs. It's the flesh, isn't it? We always war against this flesh. You see? But when God sees his daughters and his sons, Day in, day out, over the next 21 days, sacrificing that stinking flesh that we have to put up with on this earth. He's like, yeah, that's my son, that's my daughter. They're putting their flesh on the altar for me. And that really grabs the attention of God. Why does he say so often in the New Testament, there's a prayer and fasting? Because we're crucifying our flesh. And we're grabbing the attention of God. So, just going to give you an example of when you look and read history and the moves of God, I love to look back at the Welsh Revival 1904, all amazing things that God has done or, yeah, God has done in history always starts off with what? Usually prayer, isn't it? It's prayer. It really is prayer. So in 1904, in the Welsh valleys of South Wales, there was this young boy, and he wasn't in his 40s or 50s, and his name was Evan Roberts, and he was a young lad, okay? He was a young lad, but he had a heart and desire to see God move. He was actually fed up with the status quo. He was actually fed up with Christianity the way it was, 
And he asked God, he asked the Holy Spirit to show himself real to him. So in the early part of the 1900s, a spiritual awakening broke, broke out in force. So this impact wasn't felt inside the church only, but outside the church as well. Many pubs, and because of the spiritual um, awakening, many pubs were closed because nobody wanted to go to the pub to get a drink and get merry. They all went to the house of God because that's where everything was happening. Yeah. That's where the presence of God was. That's where signs, wonders, and miracles, salvation, love, acceptance, that's where everything was happening. And I know for us here, we are really contending for signs, wonders, and we're really pushing in deep now for more of God to manifest among, amongst us. We've seen many signs and wonders already, many testimonies, many salvations, but we're pushing in into the depths of everything that God has for us and for the miracles. Amen? The miracles, the manifestation presence of God in this place. So they weren't going to the pubs anymore. The pubs were closed shut. So many people gave up drinking. Says crime so diminished as the result of the revival. That those judges were presented with white gloves signifying there were no cases of murder, assault, robbery or rape. You see, when the presence of God comes, it impacts not just us inside the church building, but people out there, people, the community. Some police officers, it says, were unemployed because of the moral and spiritual change evident throughout the nation. And the more you read about stories like this, the more you lean in. So this is all how it started. On September the 29th, Evan attended a conference at Glynarech with a group of young men from the grammar school. Evan knelt in the pew and prayed. He prayed fervently that God would bend him. This proved to be a turning point in Evan's life. A young boy on his knees, praying fervently, hungry, hungry for the things of God. Before this experience, something seemed to be holding him back from knowing the fullness and joy and certainty that he was forgiven by God. After this experience, he felt ready to follow God's leading in everything he did, everything he said, and in the places that he visited. He was made utterly obedient and utterly willing. And in that prayer meeting, he declared to the congregation, Lord, will you bend us? And that's how it broke out. The revival broke out. People started coming to the church. People started getting saved, healed, and it impacted the whole society. He writes a little note. And in the note, it says, Dear friend, dear friend, God loves you. Therefore, seek him diligently. Pray to him earnestly. Read his word constantly. Yours in the Gospel, Evan Roberts. So my point of sharing that brief <coughs> account with you today is it's a call today as a church of believe. It's a call to prayer. God is calling us today to prayer. And not only prayer 
I felt especially in the during the time of worship, which is absolutely amazing and so special and so sacred, I believe, today. He's calling us to a new level of surrender, a new level of consecration. Because as Lydia said, it is the 11th hour. It is time to surrender. It is time to press into everything, everything that God has for us individually, as a church, and as families as well. So if you want God to move in your life, pray. If you want God to move in the church, you need to pray. If you want God to move in your place of work, pray. If you want your God's will for you, as it starts off with pray, be devoted to pray, prayer, communication with God. Did you know the word devoted is used ten times in the New Testament? And six of those are related to prayer. So I'll read some of the <coughs> I'll read some of the verses out. Acts one verse fourteen. All these with one accord were devoting themselves. What did they do? Devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, 42 and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, like we've done this morning, and prayer. Acts chapter 6 verse 4, that we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Romans 12 verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulations, be constant in prayer. Ephesians 6 verse 18, and pray the Spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. And always keep on praying for all the saints. And the last one, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. Being watchful and thankful. Six verses there. Devoted to prayer. So as you can see from the New Testament, New Testament is full of corporate prayer gatherings, isn't it? In fact, most prayer in the New Testament is probably thought of best in terms of gatherings for prayer. So in Acts chapter 1 verse 14, it says, They all joined together constantly in prayer, and I've read that one now, with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. So as you can see, prayer is the stepping stone to victory. Prayer equals victory. Prayer equals overcoming. Prevailing prayer is the constant knocking at the door with the expectation it will be opened. And that's what we've been doing, I believe, over the, over the last 10 plus so years is constantly praying, seeking God. But as we come to these three weeks, we are now entering into a new level of prayer where we're really pushing in for that breakthrough. We're prevailing in prayer. Prayer is the breath that fans the flame of faith. Prayer is your power. 
Prayer connects you to God. Um, I've been reading a book by uh, Jim Kimbala, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. This book here is a fantastic book. And <clears throat> it talks about Jim Kimbala is now the lead pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, Church in New York. So Brooklyn Tabernacle is a thriving church today. But it wasn't always like that. The church wasn't always thriving. So back in the day, it was once a broken down church in one of America's toughest neighborhoods, Brooklyn in New York. And you can imagine that that must have been a really tough neighborhood. neighborhood. Um, all sorts of things happening, crime, drugs, <clears throat> prostitution, poverty, etc., etc. So there they were in this little church in Brooklyn, New York, a handful of them, no more than 15. There was a handful of people in the church and they were just really discouraged. They didn't see signs, wonders and miracles. People weren't coming into the church. So Jim, the pastor, he turned to the Lord and he cried out. You know with prayer, sometimes I'm sure we've all experienced some people, but sometimes there are times in our lives when we pray, and it is a cry. It is a cry from your belly. It's a wailing, and it comes from deep within your being. And he had had enough. Jim had had enough. He cried out for God to change everything, himself, the church, their passion for people, and their pain. He was always preaching about the power of the word and the spirit, but never seeing it, never seeing the manifestation of the power, never seeing people coming to the Lord, never seeing healings. You see, desperation, that cry from within Jim, moved the heart of God. Desperation moves the heart of God. And do you know what happened? He sensed God speaking to him while he was on a fishing trip. And God, Holy Spirit, says this to him. Because Jim was fed up. He was fed up of his situation. Maybe you're here today and you have had enough. You have had enough of the situation you're in. You're up to here and you've had enough, but you need that breakthrough. So I just want to encourage you today to cry, to cry from the depths of your heart to a God that listens and to a God that cares. And the Holy Spirit said to Jim, if you and your wife lead my people to pray and call upon my name, I will supply all the money that's needed both for your church and your family. And you will never have a building large enough to contain the crowds. <laughs> Amazing, amazing, eh? Amazing. That's what he felt the Holy Spirit whispering to him. Call my people to pray. God is calling Life Center to pray. 
It's a call. Call to pray. So it was a call to pray. So the following day, what did Jim do? He stood in front of his congregation and said this to his little congregation at the time, who were really disheartened, and said this. From this day, the prayer meeting will be the barometer of the church. If we call upon the Lord, he has promised to answer. In the following weeks, they started to gather on a Tuesday night, just a handful of them. And in the following weeks, they started to see answers to prayer. And he started to become noticeable. Little by little, new people started to join with talents and skills that could help. Little by little, unsaved relatives and strangers began to show up. It says in the book as well, he's, he writes, Jim writes, I myself started to ease up in the Sunday meetings and not control them so tightly with the microphone. Another, another account of how God, when his people humble themselves and pray and hear from heaven, the things radically, radically change. So like we said earlier in Acts chapter 2 verse 42, they devoted themselves to, to prayer. As you see as well in the Old Testament, you see all throughout the Old Testament, the people cried out to the Lord. This is the essence of true prayer that touches, touches God. Charles Spurgeon once said, the best style of prayer is that which cannot be called anything else but a cry. Jeremiah 33, I don't know if I've got that there. Jeremiah 33 verse 3. There we go. Call to me and I will answer you. And tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Mm. When I read that verse, that gets me quite excited. Yeah? yeah? I don't know about you, but that gets me really excited. Call me and I'll answer you and tell you great and such things you do not know. So when I hear that, when I'm reading that, I, will, I think straight away, unsearchable things, secrets that I don't yet know. But you're going to tell me, God, when I pray. So when I go into the prayer closet and I cry from my heart, earnestly, humbly, you're going to tell me things I don't yet know that are hidden. Precious things are hidden from them. Yeah? And we have to dig deep to get those precious things. So if you're new here today, this morning, wanting direction, or maybe strategy, this is the key. This is the key. Call on me and I will answer you. And tell you, and 
Or maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling really unworthy. Unworthy. Low. Depressed. Anxious. Call on me. And I will tell you great things and unsearchable things you do not yet know. God can give you revelation as you pray. As you spend time in that prayer closet. When you don't know where to turn, then turn to me. When you're ready to throw up your hands and say, Oh, I give up. I give up in this situation. Throw them up to me. I think that's the wonderful thing about worship is when we come into church on the Sunday, it doesn't matter what's happened an hour beforehand, what kind of warning we've had, whether we've quarreled with a spouse or a child is sick or whatever's happened. When we come into the house of God, we have an opportunity yet again to go, oh God, I choose today to focus on you today. I throw up my hands. Because I don't know what I'm doing, but I throw my hands up this morning to you, God. Because you know, and I put my faith and my hope in you. Throw them up to me this morning, say. And put your voice behind your, your hands, behind them too, and I'll come and I'll help you. After Moses came down from Mount Sinai, calling on God became an earmark of his people's victories. Moses highlights this in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 7. And he says this. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them, the way the Lord our God is near us, whenever we pray to him? You see, in other words, he's saying here, the other nations might have better chariots, better weaponry, but that doesn't matter in the end. They didn't have what Israel had at the end of the day, which was a God that responded to their cry, that gave them strategy when they called him. You see, God has placed instinct in every human heart to call upon the name of the Lord. How many testimonies have we heard of people that are down in the pit and they call upon the name of the Lord and they get saved. Hannah, in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 10, the prayer of Hannah is such a well-known prayer, isn't it? She called upon the name of the Lord. Hannah was distressed. She was, it says in the Bible, in bitter distress, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and God heard her cry. You see, Satan's main strategy is to whisper and say, actually, don't call to him, don't pray to him. He doesn't hear it anyway, he doesn't answer. You'll do fine without him. He knows full well that his kingdom will be damaged when we lift our hearts to God. David knew, in Psalm 4, verse 3, David knew, says, David, David knows, knew that the Lord, the Lord, 
Lord hears when I call to him. He hears our prayers. So be encouraged this morning as we go on this journey individually and as a church that God hears our prayers and he responds to the cry of our hearts. It says in James chapter 5 verse 16, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. And I'll just finish off with this briefly. A great example in the Old Testament of somebody that prayed Daniel, wasn't it? If you read in chapter 9, verse 3, it says, So I turned Daniel in the middle of his situation, in captivity. So he says, So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. In the last few verses of his prayer, chapter 9, Daniel asked God to restore the sanctuary, the city, and the people. In essence, he's saying, Oh Lord, you promised to do it. Now do what you promised. And do it soon. You see, you will know also the intensity of his words. Six times in four verses he cries, Oh Lord, Oh God, Oh my God. Oh Lord, listen, oh Lord, forgive, oh Lord, hear and act. For your sake, oh my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. And that's where we, I think, as a church, that's where we are at the moment. Oh Lord, oh Lord, don't delay things, don't delay. Oh Lord, Livingston is a town that needs you. Oh Lord, forgive us for the times that we haven't stepped up to the mark. Oh Lord, you've spoken that you want a place for your presence in the centre of Livingston. Oh Lord, it says when we spend time with you, you're going to tell us secrets and searchable things that we do not yet know. Mm -hmm. How glorious is that? Mm -hmm. So many keys in scripture, so many precious keys. So, it's time. It's time for surrender. It's time to get serious with God. It's time to sacrifice our flesh. It's time for us to come together. We get to do this as a church family, together. Not individually, but together. We get to do this and we get to go and we get to take that land in the middle of Livingston. Why? Because we need a house, we need a building for the unsaved to come in, for the broken families to come in, for people to be saved, for a cafe, for parenting classes, prophetic workshops, youth conferences, clay kids classes. We've got big dreams because God has spoken to us. Amen. So this is something we're going to share also with the kids in Kids Club. 
and the young people on a Friday night because as a family, because we're family here, we want everyone to be involved from the littlest to the oldest. That's why it's so important to share this vision. A lot of the kids know the vision already because they've seen us. They've been with us along this journey since they were that high. That high. They've been with us on this journey. And one day they will say, yes, we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. What a privilege for those little ones that have been in different locations all around Livingston, walking this faith journey with us. One day, they will see that building and they will smile and they will celebrate. So, I just want to encourage you as parents as well, when you have food in the evening, share this vision over dinner meeting with your kids. Talk to, talk to them about it. Pray together. Let's include the kids and the youth in, in this as well. It's exciting times. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do on our Amen. 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 Amen.